Dubai I 103.8. 103.8. 103.8. 103.8. Making Tracks, the memories, the thoughts and the songs of some of the success stories who now call the UAE home. It's just after midday on a Thursday and it's time now for Making Tracks. It's our opportunity to shine a light and turn a microphone on a number of individuals who we feel have really helped to shape their respective industries here in the UAE. Not just their industries for which they've helped to raise the bar but also the fact that they've come to call the UAE home. And today we turn our attention once again to the ever-competitive and ever-entertaining industry of food and beverage. When it comes to hospitality, our special guest today is a true legend of the industry. A man who, for over the last 25 years, has called the Radisson Blue Hotel Dubai Deera Creek one of his many homes. His official title there is Director of Kitchens, but speak to pretty much anyone in the food and beverage industry, and you might as easily just be called the father of chefs here in the UAE. Well known in the UAE's culinary world, in addition to running nearly a dozen restaurants within the Radisson, he's involved with nearly every single food festival and food event that comes to the UAE. He's also the president of the Emirates Culinary Guild, an organisation that helps to nurture the UAE culinary talent, transforming young, inexperienced cooks into notable, respected chefs. He's the recipient of numerous awards. He is a man who is known across the city and much further afield. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome into the studio uh, for making tracks this afternoon, uh, the Director of Kitchens at the Radisson Blue Hotel Dubai, Deera Creek, uh, the one and only Chef Uwe Michel joins us live in the studio. Chef, good to have you with us. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? We're not too bad, my friend. Now, it is uh, our opportunity now to obviously look back at uh, your extraordinary career, uh, but uh, also the time that you've called the UAE home. And just before we get underway with that sort of trip down memory lane, let's take a a little retrospective look at the culinary landscape, a culinary landscape that you've helped to form over the the best part, well, more than uh, a quarter of a century here in the region. How much has it changed? As you sit here with me, in front of me today, let's try and quantify how much it's changed since you first arrived here in the UAE. Well, it's it's difficult to put it in numbers, but it's a completely different world. Uh, when I arrived in January 93, uh, there was nine or ten hotels in Dubai. Uh, everybody knew each other. Uh, now, I believe the like, last numbers are 780 hotels. Um, you lose track. Uh, I remember when uh, we opened a new restaurant, I did trips to Singapore, to uh, to Paris, to New York, to see restaurants, to see concepts, to see what we're doing. Uh, now the guys are coming to Dubai, see what we are doing. So I think the world has completely turned around and there's nothing in Dubai now what you cannot find. There's no concept, there's no, no cuisine what Dubai doesn't have. So I think it's amazing. I mean, uh, people ask me many times, why are you on so many years here? I said, well, normally you change every two, three years. In Dubai, you stay in the same place. You don't move. Everything around you changes so fast, you don't have to move. Uh, you mentioned there your arrival here. Uh, in, what year was it, 93? Is that right? 93, yeah. 93 is when you first touched down. Obviously, we'll get onto that moment in just a little while. But I want to take you back before then, because this journey started in Germany. Tell us, Uwe, where were you, where, where were you born? Where were you brought up? 
Well, I'm born in uh, in Niedersachsen, in Lower Saxony, uh, between Hanover and Hamburg, in a place called Celle. I'm uh, I grew up actually on a farm, so I grew up with uh, with pigs and horses and ducks and uh, and everything. So, um, when I was 13, I realized I I love the farming, mm. but I realized that I loved the kitchen more. I spent more time with my grandmother actually in the in the kitchen. So I enjoyed that because for me, uh, it was always something very different to everything else. Outside, everything was was pre-planned. Mm. In a kitchen, you do you do everything different things. My my grandmother never used recipe books, mm. but her food was amazing. So and this fascinated me. So you can actually create every day, and so I started to spend more time. And uh, when I went to in school in junior high. We had, you know, the boys were doing woodwork and, and paintings and, and stuff like this. And uh, uh, the girls were doing cooking lessons. So I asked the teacher to, uh, that I can join the girls. So she looked at me like I'm from a different star. So then even I went in the evening, I went to a house to cut the grass in the garden and to, to bribe her to let me go to join the girls in the cooking lessons. <laughs> so that's where everything started. So you were <laughs> conscious from a young age that this was, this was something, this was an art form that fascinated you my decision was actually made when i was about 13 really and uh then in between it, it cooled a little down and then uh i wanted to leave the village because where i, I grew up it was 150 people uh, so and i wanted to see the world the biggest thing was once a year we went to uh, the main city which was 30 kilometer away uh, to buy new shoes so Basically, that's the only time when we went out and I wanted to see the world. So and one of the things what I understood that time, if you become a cook, you work on a ship, you can see the whole world. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the main factors for me uh, to, to become a chef. But until today, I'd never worked on a ship. <laughs> <laughs> the ship, maybe that's something for later. Maybe that's something for the horizon for retirement. To, to cruise as a guest, but not work. <laughs> um, in terms of that childhood, you mentioned you sort of paint that picture of that idyllic outdoor childhood, a lot of fresh air, the animals, the farm, uh, quite a rural idyll as well. I mean, what about you in school? Was that a sort of, uh, were you an academic kid in any way? Uh, no, not really. Uh, in school, I, I always did uh, what I had to do mm. just to pass. Uh, I never really did more, but uh, I spent my time on the farm. I spent my time in the, in the anim with animals. I spent my time like, and we had to work on the farm. Yeah, uh, of course. When I was 13, I went five o'clock in the morning before school. I went with my mother to milk the cows. So mm. uh, it was hard work from the beginning. So this way it was pretty easy for me later on. Uh, in our industry, because yes, chef is the greatest job in the world, is the greatest profession in the world, but it's one of the hardest uh, as well. Do you think that that time on the farm and that, that, that affinity with livestock, with animals, uh, gave you a sort of respect of ingredients from a young age? Yes, it is. Um, what I still say to the young chefs, I mean, one of the key things when you start, you first, the biggest or most important word for me is respect. I mean, you start to not only respect the people around you, but start to respect yourself first, start to respect the ingredients you work with. Mm. Remember, everything is life. Even a, a carrot was life, is growing, is, you know. So, and I think we, we have to respect that, that a lot. And we're not doing that enough. When you look at uh, waste, what is still happening, the food waste, uh, we don't respect food enough. We don't respect ingredients enough. <laughs> 
Uh, and just before we move to your first song, uh, I've known you, had the privilege uh, of knowing you for, for many a years. We often talk football as well, and there is a young man growing up in the heartland of Germany. Uh, football is obviously part and parcel of any youngster growing up uh, in Germany at those sort of age. When did you give up the ambitions of being an international football star? Uh, actually, I never had it. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Uh, I've always been always been good at uh, watching football. <laughs> I'm still great in, in watching any sport on TV, <laughs> uh, but I've never been a good a good player. I played when I was when I was a kid, but I was never really fast enough. So every second game, I got a red card because the only way for me to stop them was to shop them. Uh, so I was never really a good football player. So, but. I for me still my first hobby I would say in the world is still football. Love that. And uh, when I was about fourteen, fifteen, uh, one of the players from our our area moved to uh, Bayern Munich, mm. which is actually the other side of Germany. So people ask me now, how come you're a Bayern fan? You should be a Hamburg or Hanover fan. So, but this guy we knew all well because he came from the neighborhood. When he moved to Bayern, all the kids in our area became Bayern fans. Uh, so this is what now 45 years ago or something like this and I'm I'm still uh, still my team to this day uh, and that's quite nice lead into your first song of the afternoon we always ask our guests on making tracks to select four songs that sort of cast them back to the memories that we are reflecting on uh, Uwe what's your first song and why? Uh, Stern des Südens is uh, the anthem of Bayern Munich so uh, every home game, 70,000 people singing it. Uh, and every time, uh, still every time before I watch football at home, or almost every time, I play the song before the game starts. Uh, my wife hates it. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's for me to get, in, to get in the mood. You know, if, even if you're not in the stadium, but uh, you start with the right song, then you slowly get in the mood for the, for the game. So. It is time for track number one for our very special guest on Making Tracks. The colour advisor, Radson Blue Hotel, Dubai, Deera Crick. Chef Uwe is with us here in the hot seat. Tracks, the memories, the thoughts and the songs of some of the success stories who now call the UAE home. You're welcome back to Making Tracks, uh, where we are in the presence of none other than the President of the Emirates Culinary Guild, the Assistant Vice President of the World Chefs Congress, the Conseiller Culinaire Commander of the Chandra Tesser, uh, Balage National Emirate uh, Arab Uni, a book writer, a book publisher and of course a proud Bayern Munich fan as well. Chef Uwe is in the hot seat. We were there talking, Uwe, about your formative years, those young years back in uh, Germany, um, and the passion that you got from a very young age for food. So when a youngster uh, gets that passion, how do you progress it? I mean, you mentioned there the inspirations you got within the house, but when did you sort of come to the realisation that you needed to get more formal training, as it were? When I started, you know, in Germany, we have a three-year apprenticeship. And uh, when I started my apprenticeship, I, I, I enjoyed the, the food because food was always uh, very important from, from the childhood. 
my father always always said when we were kids, when we grew up, uh, food and shoes is what is what the man needs. Because when you work long hours, you need to have the right shoes, and you need to have good food to work to work hard. So that was always the motto in our house, how I grow. So and, and when I realize what you can do with food, you know, and then that you can travel actually. So I, I started to, for me, but I think it is a passion which you, either you have it or you don't have it. Mm. You know, it's, you don't learn that. You can learn certain things, but if you do not have the passion, if you do not have the feeling for, for food, it's not something what you learn from one day to another. I, I don't believe. It's like music. Mm. You know, I would say cooking is an art and uh, it has something to do with feeling of people. Like, we go back to music. Uh, when you see the music, what I what I hear, it depends on my mood. It's every day totally different. It could be could be hard rock. Uh, you know, I I have the selection of everything at home. It could be classical. It could be Mozart and, and stuff. Uh, and the same with food. One day is just a simple sandwich, and one day is a really nice piece of fish or steak or whatever. It's 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 really on the mood of the of of the day. So you did your apprenticeship in, 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 in Germany, is that right? Yes, okay. I did. Um, and after that, what, was it straight into hotel work or? Then, yeah, then no. Yeah, then I went, uh, my first hotel was uh, in, uh, in Wiesbaden uh, near Frankfurt where I learned pastry because in my apprenticeship oh, yeah. hotel was very small in terms of pastry. So I needed to go somewhere where uh, there was a well-known great pastry chef. And I still remember the first day when I came in, I saw a guy breaking eggs. And he broke the egg and just throw throws the skin in the bill. And the chef he, he hit him from the back because he didn't take the finger and 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 take the egg the egg white completely out of the egg. Wow! So which now in terms of hasab and things would not be allowed anymore. But there because he explained to him, you break hundred eggs, you have uh, you can make an omelet what you waste. Mm. Okay, so it was a good old days. So it was really, really good school. It was very hard school, but it was a good school. And I think this is a basic for every chef that you, uh, you learn the basics. Sometimes now the young chefs are growing far too fast. Mm. So they don't understand really, really what is it to, to start off. They, they all know how to make great dishes with foam and pearls and, and stuff, what they learn, on, learn now on social media and stuff. But the basics, when you ask the young guys now to make a mayonnaise, to make a hollandaise and stuff, uh, they don't know anymore because mm. everything comes from a packet. Mm. You know? So the basics is still the most important. And that's why we have started in Dubai, like the scholarship program, what we do for young chefs, you know, to where the, the guys really learn the basics. So let's try and chart this rise, if we can. You do the apprenticeship, uh, and then you go to work at the Schwarzebock, is that right? Yeah. Schwarzebock in, what, the late 1970s? A couple of years there, and uh, then... Yeah, 78, 79, actually, yeah. And then the Intercontinental next. No, but no, then was Army first. Oh, Army. Okay. A good German boy uh, has to go to the Army. <laughs> so I spent two years in the Army, actually, but... Uh, in the office, I mess, so I was in the kitchen, so I was doing no, doing nothing else. I had a I had a good time in there, I must say, uh, because I had nothing to do with with all the things the soldiers are doing outside when they go in the woods and things. So you're just making they were marching I, on a full stomach. Yeah? You know, once once a month you you do you do a good meal for the right people, and then everything is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my advantage I had there. That what I had learned before, I could really use it there. After the army, um, it's back into hotels with the Intercon, is that right? 
Yes, then was at Intercont in, in Berlin. Yeah. Then, uh, How then, was that move for you? Were you ready for that move to big city Berlin? Uh, yes, because Berlin was not that big because at that time there was a wall around. Of course, yeah. So uh, you, you, you could walk one, in one day from one side to the other, basically. Mm. Um, I, was, I was very impressed with, with Berlin at that time because I didn't believe that Berlin had so much green and, and greeny what they had. And so I spent all my days off outside in the, in the woods and on the seas. So it was, was, was really great. But it was tough at the beginning because when I came came there, I never worked in such a big hotel. So I had to start in the South Cafeteria. And uh, so my first day, I made 900 portions of spaghetti bolognese. So <laughs> I, I didn't like that, really. Uh, so, so you were in Berlin for a year and yeah. then the move to London. How did that come about? Uh, because I realized that uh, if I want to travel, I have to learn English. And uh, when I was in school, I said to my teacher, if these buggers want to talk to me, they should learn German because... In my village where I was, uh, we had a very close, uh, very near big uh, English army camp. And uh, so we didn't really like each other too much. Then, mm. Because, you know, they were looking after our girls and all this stuff. So on, on the weekends fighting in the discos. <laughs> and so so I, I, I didn't really I think that I have to learn English. But then I had to go to London, basically, to, to learn English. So I, I joined then uh, Westminster College to learn English, and uh, I didn't like that, that either. So I joined the darts team, and uh, so I learned my English uh, in Notting Hill Gate. So it was not very uh, polite English, let's say, what I, what <laughs> I learned. <laughs> Learning English on the darts, okay, that's yeah. a new one for me. Uh, straight after that, there was a relocation over to where well, you're first posting here in the region, to Bahrain. Was that a bit of a shock to the system? Uh, not a shock because I, I knew was a little bit what I was, was up to uh, because I had a, a friend who worked a couple of years earlier there. Uh, so I knew a bit and I had two friends by that time in Abu Dhabi. Mm. So I knew a little bit what, what is going on in the region. So, But yeah, Bahrain the time I reached there before the causeway was built. Mm. So during my time, the causeway was open. So Bahrain was uh, was a paradise on earth at time before the causeway opened. So it was also quiet, also peaceful, and and very small then. Yeah. Uh, we're going to leave it there. We're going to take a quick uh, hiatus, if we can, to uh, make time for the music. Uh, given the fact we are reflecting on those sort of formative years for you, the moves around from Germany to the UK uh, to uh, Bahrain, we're going to hear about Korea in just a few moments' time. But give us your second song. What's the song and why did you choose it? Uh, second song, song was, I think, is my heart is a heartache. It is your heartache, uh, yeah. It was... Um, Every night when after work, when, when I was still an apprentice, actually, uh, uh, so that you still had to put money in, 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 the, in the jukeboxes. So. And uh, my first song was, was, I think, for about a period of six months, uh, that was my song. So when I still now, because you still hear it sometimes, uh, when I hear it now, I think back uh, the good old days, you know. And, uh, I, I was in love with, with that young lady at the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> it is a classic. It's a bit of Bonnie Tyler for you. It's a heartache. It is track number two for our special guest on Making Tracks, Chef Uwe. Love him till your arms break. Then he lets you down. It ain't right with love to share. 
Making Tracks, the memories, the thoughts and the songs of some of the success stories who now call the UAE home. You're listening to Making Tracks, Chef Uwe is our very special guest on Making Tracks here on the agenda this week. It's an absolute pleasure uh, to have a, a man who's been at the very foundation of hospitality of the hotel industry here for well over 25 years now. We're going to get on to that move to Dubai in just a few moments' time. When we left Uwe last time, he was in Bahrain. He was in a pre-causeway Bahrain, enjoying uh, all that that area had to offer. Um, What dragged you away from Bahrain? Because you got an offer you couldn't refuse over in Korea, is that right? It was actually uh, the Olympics, 88. uh, One of my dreams, uh, I have to go back again, when I was 15, I made a list of about 35 points uh, what I want to achieve in life. And one of the things was I wanted to be part of, the, want to see the Olympics one, one day. So and when they, they came up in Korea, 88, and I knew we opened the new hotel there, which was the main hotel for the Olympics. Uh, so actually, I was waiting in Bahrain for a year and extra. I wanted to stay two years. I stayed three and a half at the end because I was waiting for the opening of the hotel in Korea. So that was uh, one of my dreams to, to go there. And the stadium was, uh, was just like 10 minutes walking distance from our hotel. So was, was everything was perfect. And good experience, Korea? It uh, was an amazing experience. Not so much, uh, not much about cooking experience, mm. but uh, Korea helped me to grow as a, as a person, as a, as, as a manager, because it was very hardworking. Um, you know, when you go to countries like Korea or Japan after, you go to countries where there, people don't really want you. You're put there by the, by the hotel brand because they want to put their, their rules, their regulations, their style, their standards. And you have to, to tell the Korean, no, it's not about Korean standard, it's intercontinental standard, mm. which it was at time. So, and, uh, so it was, was pretty tough. And uh, I must say it was uh, an amazing learning process for me. So take me somewhere, uh, Uwe. I need you to take me to uh, the tarmac at Dubai International Airport uh, in January of 1993 for a man who's on the crest of a wave of his culinary career, a man who's well-travelled as well. When you touched down in, the very, touched down in Dubai for the very first time in 93, did you feel that this was home immediately or did you feel, oh, I've made a mistake here? Um, Neither. <laughs> no, I, I didn't think it was a mistake. Uh, I, but I came here for a year about because when uh, I came a few months earlier, Ahmed Ramdan, who was my, my GM that time when I came for interview, he said, uh, I wanted to open two new restaurants. And one was uh, that time Liciel, the French fine dining. My background was uh, French fine dining. And I worked in Japan then. So and then we opened Minato, the Japanese restaurant, six months after after I reached here. So that was my main target, to open the, the two restaurants. And uh, actually, when my wife came in March with uh, our two little kids at time, six months and two and a half years old, uh, then uh, she said like about three weeks after, do we really have to stay one year here? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, for sure. Of the listeners' uh, benefit, she's still with you here, yeah? She is still with <laughs> me here. Six months, six years later, when I said it's time to move, 
She said, why? <laughs> <laughs> so because uh, that time we both liked Dubai. I said, but if we want to move, we have to move now. Otherwise, we won't move anymore. And then we, one day we decided to stay until the kids finished school. Mm. Uh, when the kids, and then when the kids are gone, then we said, then we thinking about moving. But the kids are gone 10 years ago. Yeah. So <laughs> we are still here. <laughs> what was it that kept you here? I think that the key thing was the changes, uh, the development. Uh, I'm still uh, fascinated with our leadership. Uh, the speed, everything works. And, you know, today is a decision and tomorrow it moves. Mm. I remember I was at the press conference when uh, His Highness uh, announced the opening of Media City. That w- and he said in 365 days, we will do the opening here. There was nothing. Mm. You know, and uh, yes, 364 days later, I did the op- opening party of uh, of Media City, mm. and uh, so and this, I mean, this is one small part Media City, but all this, all the movement, all the development in the city, it, uh, it's always it always fascinated me, and it still does, because it's nowhere else in the world. Where. What about the challenges you face, though? Because for a man who had a very international palate, arriving here back in the 1990s, I mean. Given the sort of food and beverage scene we have now, a lot of people won't understand what it was like back in the 1990s. It was a challenge getting certain ingredients in. You were limited with what you could create. Did you? I mean, did you take those challenge as if you were taking a bull by the horns and move forward with those? See, life about challenges is pretty boring. Mm. So this is one of the things I, I like challenges. Uh, I, for me, problems don't do not exist. Uh, my team is not allowed to use the word problem. We have challenges and we have opportunities. So, and uh, I always, always took it that way. Yeah, the biggest challenge that time was the ingredients. And, uh, but it worked. We worked it out. We worked uh, harder. We worked uh, much longer hours that time than we do now. But we still had less stress. You know, that time you could walk on Czech Zeitrot. Mm. Okay. Now you leave the house in the morning and just stress starts, mm. <laughs> so which didn't happen that time. That time we didn't have phone. I remember when I got my first beeper, you know, when you had then to run and find a phone to answer yeah. the beeper. So it's but every period of uh, of time, I think had their different challenges, their different rewards, uh, and that's why it came never was never boring. You know, we never got bored because mm. we always had new new challenges to come and we always grow bigger and more and more and more. And uh, yes, and, and I like it because same when when it started, when I did my first or coordinated my first Guinness record here, um, it it always it's always a new challenge when you do something like this. Mm. And you never know until the minute one person comes and yes, you have done it. Until you never know if if the hard work for six months' work or three months' work is rewarded or not, you know. And uh, I like the challenge. Talk to me about loyalty, if you can. Um, uh, you sit here in front of me, looking resplendent in your chef's white, and uh, on those chef's white, very close to your heart, is the Radisson brand. Now that is a brand that you've been loyal to for over twenty-five years. For a man with so much respect in the industry and given the growth of the industry here you could have been poached by other uh, operators you could have been off to do this role that role etc why the loyalty why sticking with them well number one loyalty is me uh, i'm a very loyal person 
if it's to work, if it's too close, if it's to my car, if it's to my football team, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, whatever you look, when you look at my life, I have always been very loyal as long as people are good to me. Mm. And uh, I must say, uh, I always had a great team around me. I always said uh, I was able to build my team uh, and the people, I look after my people, but my, my people always looked amazingly after me. And the same is with the hotel owners, with hotel management. Uh, they, I always had my freedom to do what I, what, what I wanted to do, which is very, very, very important for me. We are going to find out more about the extraordinary achievements uh, and also the other, other events you've been involved in here, from the guilds to uh, the festivals and much, much more in a few moments' time. Not, though, before we've asked you for a bit more music as well. Uh, let's talk Nina, if we can. Uh, why have you gone with Nina? Uh, well, Nina, I met Nina first when I was working in Berlin in, uh, in a little pub where, where she was playing when she started. That was before 99 Red Ballons, or 99 Luftballons, which had started <laughs> in, in Germany. And uh, so, and that was the time I liked that kind of music. You know, every year when you see my, my music, every 10 years was a completely different, different style. Uh, except a few songs, like, like, for example, Nina is always staying. When I, still today, when I, when I fly, uh, when I switch from movies to music, uh, I always put put on the, the put on Nina, and then I start off with 99 red buttons. As I said, I'm loyal. <laughs> also, and it's also loyal loyal to music, so, and, and and I like that song. And it, when you listen to the words, uh, it's a song which could have been written today also. You know, when 99 red balloons go go to the sky. So it still could happen today. Indeed it could. It is track number three for Chef Uwe. Listen to the lyrics along with him as we, of course, continue with Making Tracks. Making Tracks, the memories, the thoughts and the songs of some of the success stories who now call the UAE home. You're listening to Making Tracks live here on Dubai I-103.8. It is the end of the week right here on the agenda. And we are ending in style with our special guest, Chef Uwe Michel, who's here with us live in studio, talking through uh, his extraordinary career and his life and times here in the UAE. Uh, he has been a resident of the UAE since 1993, during which time he's achieved so much. He's self-written and self-published several uh, very well-received and award-winning books. I mean, the, the, the books, uh, you've got so much recognition for the books as well. Is that something you've enjoyed during your time? Yes, because there was... I. I was all, I always wanted to make a book mm. uh, because books for me is something which unfortunately people are reading less and less now. Uh, but for me, it's if a person who throws a book in the garbage is a crime. Um, so, but come back to my last book. I have news. I got uh, a few days ago. I got uh, a mail from uh, the Gourmet Book Awards because they they have in in Paris in June uh, at the book show the. Uh, 
most popular books from the last 25 years or the best books from the last 25 years. And Flavors of Dubai is uh, is in the best books yeah. of the 25 years, last 25 years. So, my book. Uh, it's one of the newest there, yeah? but uh, it's in <laughs> it's in, in the in the in the best books of the last 25 years. So it's it's amazing. He's still achieving accolades and awards. That's the uh, nature of this man. Talking of those accolades and awards, and also going back to that issue of loyalty, if you can. I mean, you nailed your colours to the mast of the Emirates Culinary Guild fairly early on. I mean, pretty much upon arrival here in Dubai in the UAE. Why was that so? And why has it remained so important to you? Uh, it's it's different reasons. Uh, number one, on that time, actually, the, the Emirates Culinary Guild was uh, was a club which was was founded to do the Salon Culinaire uh, at the Gulf Foods at time, so at the very early start of, mm. of the Gulf Foods, so we have grown with with the Gulf Foods together basically. Uh, but then it, we started to put our our points down. Why we are there is we said we don't want just uh, a boys' club who goes out uh, once in a week or once every two weeks and meets together. So we need to we need to put down our goals, what we want to do. And since the beginning, our in in our uh, bylaws, we put there that we are there to to promote basically our profession, our industry, the prom- our adopted hometown, uh, to bring Dubai on the as a culinary uh, destination in, in the world. Uh, which I think we have done, mm. um, and also support young chefs and and make sure that our profession uh, stays sustainable because this is in the moment uh, one of the issues that there's not enough young people want to become a, a chef anymore. They all want to become TV chefs, but they don't want to come in the kitchen and chop onions. So it's... Uh, it's Because it's still, it's a very hard job, even with uh, with a lot of products now a product, lot of equipment now which which had, has made life a lot easier uh, but still it's long hours it's evenings it's holidays uh, it's uh, it's very hard to have a, a private life like a normal person um does it still hold the weight the guild that it has done in the past does it continue to have the influence today in 2020 as it has done yeah i think it it has grown from strength to strength mm. every year um, we are. We have started with like 20 people. Uh, we are now uh, around 2,000 members or something. It's about 900 seniors and around 1,500 juniors, roughly. Um, so we are doing more and more events, but not only here. We have started our national team to travel. We have gone to the biggest shows like in Singapore yeah. and to the Culinary World Cup, which is every four years in Luxembourg. We have done now. We have. I've gone three times with the team to the Culinary Olympics, where I just came back uh, about a week ago. And uh, our little country, United Arab Emirates, we won 21 gold medals and 16 silver and eight bronze medals. So it was uh, pretty amazing. Mm. You know, when you come there, and uh, the first I remember the first time uh, when I came to the Olympics with a small team, they said, "Ah, Dubai, Saudi Arabia." Yeah. You know. It was for many years. Uh, people didn't know us, and uh, now people know us. People know where Dubai is. And much is. of that is down to you. I mean, I know that you are a man that will turn around and go, no, 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 it's to do with the team, etc. But much of it is the fact that you've helped to drive these standards throughout that time. When you get 
personal accolades, when the team gets accolades, when the guild gets accolades, that must fill you with a huge amount of pride that what you've set out to do, you have achieved. Yes, it is. And yes, I am very proud. And I I keep a lot of things from every period of my life uh, to the dislike of my wife. When, <laughs> <laughs> because when, when she said, is this another thing for your museum back home later? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but... Yes, as you said, uh, I have achieved a lot, but I was always lucky to have the right people around me, to have people who support me, whatever I wanted to do. Uh, and when it comes to the guild, we are we have been three drivers. Now we are two mm-hmm. because one Alan Tong has left us a few years ago. Uh, but uh, Andy Kasper and I uh, have been on the on the top of the guild now for the last twenty years together. Uh, I'm as president, he's as chairman, we're running it for 20 years. And uh, our life is, uh, after our families, uh, is a guilt. And mm. uh, sometimes the guilt first and then the family. But uh, I try to <laughs> to change that around a little bit for in the last few years. I, I try very hard to put the family in front because for many years, my wife was married to the boys and I was married to the hotel. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I try to change a little bit. So, Are you finding that balance now? Um, I think I, I have achieved the balance now, the, the right balance now for the last year or 18 months. Uh, and um, I enjoy it, I must say. Mm. And the UAE is still very much home for home for you? Uh, for the meantime, yes. Uh, there will be a day when I move back to Germany. Yeah. Uh, my home is ready. Everything everything is set just outside the Black Forest. So um, my house is the last line in the village so when i leave my garden i'm in the in the woods wow so it's exactly what i what i want when i walk there i don't walk with with walkmen or stuff like this with music in my ear i like to listen to the nature to the birds and uh, which i still have there so mm. um, when you see somebody in in the morning at six o'clock in rashadir walking on the streets with a red Bayern Munich cap. As it's me, because <laughs> uh, as I said, I'm not good in any sports, but I walk in the mornings. So because I I have to do a little bit of exercise when you spend too much time in office. Uh, so and I will I will never walk with music. Mm-hmm. I will I want to know I want to hear what is going on around me. So, Uwe, we could talk for many more hours because we've only scratched the surface of your achievements uh, and the respect to which you're held within the hospitality industry, not just here in the region, but worldwide. Can't thank you enough for coming on in to Making Tracks and telling us your story, a story I'm sure that will continue to deliver great results for many years to come. So on behalf of all the team down here at the Agenda in Dubai, I would thank you very much indeed for all you've done for the industry and for Dubai. Um, And I can't let you go without uh, uh, you telling us about your final song. What's your final song? Your one for the weekend, and why have you chosen this one? Well, the final song is uh, Brian Adams, uh, because Brian, I'm going back uh, with Brian Adams basically since my beginning of Dubai. When Brian Adams came the first time uh, uh, to Dubai, he was staying in the hotel, and uh, it was in Anasa Leisureland on the ice ring. And uh, I was so fascinated when suddenly all the power went off, and he was just sitting on the edge of the stage with his guitar, and and and, and everybody was so quiet. There was you couldn't you could hear a nail falling down in the time in the stadium. 
it was uh, it amazed me you know from when you go to other concerts when you s- to go to queen or stones and all this noise and blah, and i've never seen anything anything like that before so and um, his music always always fascinated me and but then there was one special song which was for a special person mm. um, and this is what i do i do for you Thank you so much indeed for your making tracks. In the meantime, settle in. Enjoy this one alongside Uwe. Thank you so much indeed for all your lovely comments as well coming through on 4001. Enjoy. Look into Everything I do 
This is Dubai I 103.8.